John is your best boy, isn't he, Mother? Yes, John. You're my best boy and the best surgeon in town. Well, you're keeping very well. Yeah. I don't realize Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise at the end of each episode along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Next week we're talking sad, lonely men that are very good at their jobs, so join the sleaze. <laughs> We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an honor shout out and two bonus episodes every single month, which we have been doing for almost three years now, which is insane oh, yeah. to think about. Wild. But if you guys haven't made the jump, uh, there are a lot of bonus episodes waiting for you. Something like 70 plus maybe now, plus yeah. our bonus transmission series where we talk about new release genre films. Hours of um, content. So again, Patreon.com slash Podcast if that interests you at all. And speaking of which, we did have a lot of people make the jump awesome. this week, so I'm going to give them their shout-outs here. We have uh, Nick Mettler, uh, Ryan W. We had uh, Adam Fors upgrading from his $5 a month to the $10 a month, who's going to be getting oh, in nice. on our uh, $10 a month virtual screening that we do every month. We have Robert uh, Simmons, um, Alan Welsh, Jared Cons, John Callahan, Pinky Promise, <laughs> uh, Newho, uh, Mark Willems, and uh, we are still going. Beautiful. We have Will uh, DC, Keith Henry Brown, James McDermott, uh, Logan Williams, Evan Gordon, and PJ Endler. Oh, and I think I missed one. Uh, Lottie Cashin. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. It's a lot of new signups this month. Thanks so much, guys. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying all those bonus episodes. Uh, we appreciate that. The other plug for the week, uh, as always, is Apple Podcasts. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, and I see the stats, I know that you're there. I can see you right now listening on Apple Podcasts. Scroll down to the very bottom right now. Give us a good old rating and review down there. It helps us climb the Please. ranks and find new listeners. And we have been hearing about people finding us that way. So we appreciate that as well. And then uh, last but not least, the, th the third plug, the new third plug. We have merch. If you guys yeah. uh, like the artwork that uh, horror artist out of Toronto, Trevor Henderson, and guest in front of the show did for the show, you can now put that on just about anything mugs <laughs> hoodies t-shirts whatever you'd like whatever you can think of just poster art we have poster art hanging up in the apartment now That's right. um uh, the link to to all of the merch is in the description of this episode as well as at sleezoidspodcast.com but whew, all right that intro it really is becoming a mouthful <laughs> welcome back uh i, I am uh, your host as always josh lewis and joining me also as always my co-host jamie miller welcome back everybody 
Welcome back to another episode. I think two weeks ago would have been the last time you guys would have heard from us when we had uh, the director of programming over at Shudder.com, the uh, streaming service that is based on all the horror and thrillers and lots of great uh, short exploitation movies I have discovered uh, through that streaming service, especially because it's incredibly cheap. I think I pay for the year, so I think I pay something like four bucks a month. Yeah. Um, Was that the one uh, that you found Bolarama on? with that yes. like uh, crazy monster yeah <laughs> yes yeah, so i find myself Wild scrolling stuff. through shutter and being recreating my video store experience of looking at the cover and being like oh that's 85 minutes let's throw just throw that on yeah and uh, that was how we got uh sorority babes at the slime ball bolorama <laughs> on the show just uh because i thought that was such a curiosity yeah uh, but yeah special guest uh, sam zimmerman of shutter he brought on let's scare jessica to death and The Legend of Hell House, two kind of maybe lesser talked about early 70s horror films that stylistically were kind of emblematic of what the rest of the decade would kind of look like. Yeah. And both were very fun to break down with Sam. Yeah, especially uh, the, the finale of, of Hell House. That's, that's a wild ride. One of the craziest <laughs> reveals I've ever seen in a horror movie that honestly maybe even hurt it a little bit, but it was wild. Yeah, short king <laughs> representation, everybody. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, even, and yeah, let's scare Jessica to death. Uh, filmmaking wise is very, very incredible. Yeah. Um, and then, Amazing uh, the, movie. for last week's bonus episode over on Patreon, going off of, uh, John Huff's legend of hell house, I knew that I really wanted to talk about his, uh, underseen, really gross Canadian horror film, the incubus, uh, with John <laughs> Cassavetes from 1982. And what would that pair with none other than John Cassavetes slumming it in another paycheck horror exploitation role, uh, Brian De Palma's the fury of 1978. <laughs> with so that once was, again, uh, another fantastic finale for different reasons, but. Very different reasons, but if, <laughs> if you ever wanted to see um, very prestigious filmmaker and actor John Cassavetes <laughs> literally explode before your eyes, I would recommend <laughs> like last week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, patreon.com slash podcast. That was last week's bonus episode exclusive over there. Uh, but this week, we have a very special guest joining us. Um, she is the uh, web editor over at Harper's Magazine and also the host of the podcast over there. She's a film critic that whose writing has appeared in New York Times, uh, Sight and Sound, Film Comment, and I know her personally because she used to also be one of the many co-hosts of the Film Comment podcast, which is like one of the maybe one or two uh, film podcast that I actually listened to because I hated most of them so much, uh, so much so that I started my own. Um, but that was one of my few favorites. Uh, so joining us this week is Violet Luca. Violet, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me on. It's so nice to hear that uh, the Film Comet podcast was uh, an enjoyable experience. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or it, inspirational. It, it, was. <laughs> it, it was. I mean, not not to uh, uh, begrudge anyone who's in you know does the same thing that we do, but the reason we did start a podcast was because we found most film podcasts were like recapping the plot and like riffing. Yeah, um, yeah. that was just what ninety percent of them were. So that, that was no, why I'm, we started yeah. one. That was one of the few that was not like that, and I really appreciated it as like a young film nerd. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I also was like not really listening to many film podcasts. So, and, and I, I really enjoy sleep sites cause, uh, well, thank you. I don't know. It's, um, Thanks so much. 
genre i don't know it's weird it's like some people are associated they're like oh yeah that's a genre person that's like the <laughs> horror expert and it's like i watch fucking horror movies all every day of the you know all the time yeah. i don't wait until october but i'm not <laughs> right. like i haven't brand, all year I haven't round like branded myself <laughs> as like a you know like a horror person but I, I i enjoy i enjoy it immensely so yeah well, welcome. Well, we're very uh, excited to talk about the films that you're bringing on this week because um, I hadn't even heard of one of them. And the other one was one that I've been meaning to watch for a long time and mm-hmm. was very shocked about what the actual movie was because I kind of avoided watching it for a while. But yeah, but as, as the show goes, Violet, we have uh, the guests bring on the double features. So what two films have you brought with you this week and why did you pair them together? So I chose uh, Bigas Lunas's um, Anguish, which is a 1987 film. Uh, mm. And I also brought on James, <laughs> James, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> she'd be really mad if I, she heard me say that. <laughs> <laughs> I brought on Jane Arden's The Other Side of Underneath, which is a 1972 film. And I thought, you know, these are kind of uh, uh, exploring the same issues, <laughs> but in very, very different ways. And they, they have mm. very different feelings. Um, And both, I think, are concerned with psychiatry, madness, narrative structure, and sort of, uh, and gender, and what what the patriarchy does, what society does to people. Um, So I I thought they would be a neat fit. Perfect. No, ab- absolutely. Um, I I was really taken with how both of these in, in different ways use a lot of formal experimentation to get at these sort of um, these these feelings of like some sort of psychological breakdown, mm-hmm. um, again, in, in, in different ways. And also how they uh, defy sort of screen convention in a lot of different ways um, as well. Yeah. So the, the pairing ended up really working for us, I think. And a, as we yeah, typically tend to do on, on the show, we are going to, I think, start in chronological order here. So we are going to actually begin with uh, the other side of underneath. The really complicated one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the insanely complicated one. You are All right, we are talking uh, The Other Side of the Underneath, the 1972 uh, British experimental psychological quasi-horror film written and directed by uh, Jane Arden. Um, the film stars, uh, from if, if correct me if I'm wrong here, it stars a lot of the people who were in Jane Arden's theater troupe. Um, Named, uh, uh, the troupe's name was Holocaust. So it gives you a sense. Of yes. Wow, <laughs> the vibe. Damn. Yes. So it it, ha- it has a lot of um, actresses who go in unnamed roles, but many of their their uh, Penny Slinger is in there. Sheila Allen, Sally Minford, um, Jack Bond, who, from what I understand, is someone who actually also uh, worked with Jane Arden and actually shot part of the film as well and produced the film. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, yeah, they were, they, they, were, they were lovers, too, for many years. Oh, well, there you go. See, you're going to have to give us the backstory history on this, because I actually was not aware um, of this at all. But watching it, I was like, how was I not aware of this? Um, <laughs> because it's it, it's insane. And Jade Arden appears in the film play uh, herself. I believe she plays the, the therapist character, one of the few mm-hmm. characters who gets a distinctual role outside of... Um, being a the the patient of an institution slowly going insane um but this film was uh based on her play called a new communion for freaks prophets and witches and uh very loosely it is um kind of a just a formal critique of the uh institution of psychiatry i mean especially i imagine the way that it was in the in the in the 60s um and the ways that it kind of really is just hellishly playing around in in people's minds and the film sort of takes on formally the idea of the characters memories and fantasies and physical realities kind of all becoming this one horrible incomprehensible experience (laughs) um and and in terms of the filmmaking it's really incredibly impressive uh, piece of like sustained hysteria and claustrophobia and you know sort of the act of finding some sort of sensorial uh, freedom uh, in in ways uh, sort of defying the rules laid out uh, by the institutions um, who are trying to um, both diagnose these women with um, you know hysteria and schizophrenia and but also straight up admitting that they're just kind of playing around. They don't know exactly what it is they're doing. And Arden kind of replicates that by also basically just breaking all down uh, narrative convention, breaking the formal rules as well as the institutional rules and the shooting and sequencing. It's, it's, it's really insane. And the film gets lost completely in these girls' minds. Um, and as a result, it's kind of a diff- difficult film um, that's open to, I'm sure, many interpretations. So maybe, Violet, yeah. you could walk us through uh, your uh, experience with this film. Sure. I mean, um, so, I mean, going back to uh, criticisms of psychology, uh, in the late 60s, there was um, sort of a this famous book by R.D. Lang, where he was basically, he was a psychologist who was who said that, you know, the the, the world is insane the, the way society is structured is insane it's schizophrenics they're having the correct reaction to it and so <laughs> calling into question um i guess uh neurotypicality uh, <laughs> or you know like you know the ideal the ideal uh what we we would i mean i think we still consider this the the ideal mind where it's you know your your emotions are under control all of your you know, all of your motivations are rational that, uh, and, and how, um, you know, that these patients should not be locked away, but they should have, you know, they should, they should be not medicated. They should not be subjected to, um, sometimes ghoulish treatments. They should instead sort of be able to move around as they are. Um, and he created, he, he created this, um, room in some psychiatric facility where it was just like only the schizophrenics he took them off their medication etc and they got better but then when they were released uh you know back into the real world a lot of them you know had problems again had to come back into into Mm. an institution so it he he's a kind of a controversial figure however i see you know 
there are other people because of him and other people sort of questioning this idea of what healthy is. Yeah. Um, I, th I think Arden was very clearly picking up on that. She actually wrote a uh, self health self help book after this film came out on how to like deprogram yourself from being sub, you know, being enslaved to your national, your, your rational mind. Um, but I, I see why she would be drawn to this. You know, she was a very outspoken feminist and um, obviously the history of psychology, the very new science, but it's still um, one. I think that is, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's very patriarchal, right? Especially in its early days where, you know, women were considered hysterics and the way to treat hysteria was to uh, have them orgasm, right? Or, or you know, that 50s housewives that, oh, if this woman is not happy being a 50s, you know, a, a housewife only and a wife and a mother and only doing those activities, if she is somehow not happy doing that, there's something wrong with her. She needs to be medicated. She needs to be, you know, she needs to get barbiturates right. to keep her mood up and then uh, tranquilizers to put her to sleep. You know, that sort of mm -hmm. idea of fitting people into these predetermined societal roles that, again, are completely relative to the time that, you know, that they are in. So, you know, obviously things, things have changed, but also things have not changed. We still maintain this idea of what the healthy mind is. And I think, you know, people, you know, the, all this, I mean, there's a ton of self-help stuff out there still. And, or even like, but now it's kind of taking on like a businessy sort of a thing. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like wake up at 4 a.m. Or, or I don't know, that goddamn commercial five to nine, the Dolly Parton thing, where it's it yeah. made me yeah. so sad. <laughs> I was just like, oh, nine to five is such a good movie where it's just like, fuck your boss. <laughs> and then it's like, no, no, uh, just work, work, uh, every waking moment. Cause you got to hustle. That's great. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, personally, I'm, I'm electing the Mark Wahlberg lifestyle of going to sleep <laughs> at six in the after afternoon, <laughs> uh, so that you can, uh, wake up at three in the morning and play golf or whatever it that's is right. that he does. every day, baby. <laughs> Look, man, that sounds great. <laughs> and again, you know, you're not, you know, you're not working the nine to five. Fuck yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know what? Well, it, it's it's funny too. I, I really was, was taken by the, the original uh, name of her play where she called it a communion for freaks, prophets and witches, because it actually yeah. did remind me a little bit. We just talked about it a couple weeks ago. We were talking about uh hacks on the, uh, mm. the, the, oh, yeah. the, the Swedish silent era film about the, of, of witchcraft throughout the ages. And one of the many things that that film addresses was how um, modern psychology, uh, psychiatry and psychology, at the time, uh, which would have been what nineteen twenty, even even he was like the the closest resemblance we have to what this looked like was witchcraft. Was when people were like these women are acting out of societal norms. Let's burn them. And now, obviously, mm -hmm. he's like you know we don't burn them, but the husbands just drop them off, lock them up, and drug them. Yeah. And so there was there there is some a similar kind of experience that you get from from this film because. It, it really does feel kind of uh, uh, like like more like a like a folk horror kind of movie. It reminded me a little bit yeah. of like sort of like witchcraft cinema, despite the fact that really it hasn't, you know, nothing like that going on in it. But it's just very, very um, creepily made. It has like this really ominous, like ab abrasive, like cello sounds and metronome yeah. sounds and, also, and of, of 
they used a lot Go of ahead. like metallic sounds too like with uh mm-hmm. like it, it almost feels like people are just like scraping metal in certain rooms and things like that and it creates oh. this like and they use a lot of uh echoes and reverbs that actually don't match the space that they're in uh there's one mm-hmm. specific part where uh, a woman is playing the cello and and it's in a couple moments but one that i'm uh thinking of is near the end when she's outside doing it and it and it, it's got this kind of like warehouse reverb to it but she's mm-hmm. outside so it creates this like otherworldly effect like they're channeling something else something bigger than them or something like that it's very yeah very cool yeah absolutely i mean and um i'll talk about the ending not that you could possibly spoil this film but you know <laughs> <Yeah>. film, <laughs> you know you are kind of swirling around these different um i mean if you talk, you know, the actresses who participated in the film talked about uh, how they were basically being tortured by Arden. And, you know, it's <laughs> funny to think of like uh, this sort of sadism is typically associated with male directors, but she was right. doing this to, you know, a group of women in the name of feminism. Uh, Groundbreaking. But, you know, <laughs> well, hey, hey, it happens. <laughs> we all make mistakes. <laughs> you got to get that shot. <laughs> got it. Yeah. But I mean, so, and what she does what she has them do is she kind of blends like allegorical punishments with actual kind of tortures that um, were applied to the mentally ill, you know, like throwing somebody in a bath, but then also Mm -hmm. these insane, uh, I shouldn't say insane. I should say these very intense um, (laughs) therapy (laughs) sessions and you get the sense that it's like, okay, this is not the characters. This is them talking to each other. And they're very, I mean, I like that part. It was probably the most um, terrifying or sort of like uh, affecting for me because I, you know, what they're talking about, um, particularly that, you know, uh, you know, I, I, we have to kind of preserve this image. Uh, we have to keep, quote keep some keep up some mad image for someone somewhere or other, and you know how that relates to. Well, I was I was reading I was actually just reading about this the other day that uh, Jonah Peretti, who's uh, one of the founders of BuzzFeed, he wrote this uh, he wrote his PS, PhD um, dissertation on it and was called Capital and Schizophrenia: uh, Contemporary Visual Culture and the Acceleration of Identity Formation and Dissolution. And basically, blah, 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 you know, he's he's building off of critiques from Deleuze and Guattari, uh, anti anti-Oedipus stuff, basically that uh, capitalism would need to create an ever-growing number of micro-identities for people to fit themselves into, and that these identities would be commodified by capitalism and marketed to. And of course, this is the guy who started the website where it's like, 25 things only kids who went to Christian camp in the 90s know. Like, this of, I mean, it's like, and, and, you know, when they're talking about that, you know, I, I really, I was like, well, that's even more true now, right? Because we have, yeah. because of social media, because of uh, what people at their jobs are, how they are expected to behave, how people are expected to, you know, behave with family members or racist family members, like all of these different things that are kind of, you know, being pushed upon us that are not for ourselves, but they are for someone else. Um, and of course, that also kind of reminded me of uh, Sartre's No Exit, where hell is where you can only see yourself through other people. There's no mirror. You cannot define yourself for yourself. You only see yourself for 
see yourself through other people. Um, but the ending, I think, is really fascinating because it concludes with this. I what I I sort of see it as this um, ritual. It's a yeah. trance ritual, and trance. You know, uh, trance rituals exist in different cultures, cultures all over the world, and they those rituals have a great deal of similarity to what schizophrenia symptoms typically associated with schizophrenia are. Where you know there's there's rocking back and forth, you're going into a trance, you're becoming someone else, you are hearing voices, uh, except for it's this highly ritualized way of doing that and um you know at the at the end of this film you see the patients um they become part of this it's it's sort of like a drum circle but cooler um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> where you know they're they're you know there are these fires burning and they're kind mm -hmm. of like letting something out they are expressing mm -hmm. their you know they're uh, they're exercising the things that have bothered them and there's this yeah. one woman on stilts who's kind of done up like a like a Vegas stripper, or I guess if you're in England, <laughs> like a really sexy music hall thing. I don't know. Um, but she's on stilts. She's on stilts. And um, the I would I would call her like the main patient in the film. She walks mm -hmm. beneath her legs. And so it's like this metaphorical rebirth. You know, she's passing under this woman. She is, she is um, transcending something, and that all of these, all the horrors that you have seen have led up to this point where it's something. It's not. It's not a. It's not a. It's not unhealthy. It's a totally mm. natural expression of feeling, and uh, psyche, and I just I thought yeah. it was so um, brilliant. Uh, yeah. Something well, yeah, I, and, and and contrast to that with like the, the especially like the early scenes of the film or what large portions of the scenes of the of, of the film are, which is mm -hmm. obviously they're they're nearby this 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 Welsh mining town, and we're introduced with like you know like uh, a, a crew trying to like resuscitate a, a drowned woman and fish her out right. of a lake, and you're not sure. Uh, you, whether she's just she's she's run away or she tried to commit suicide but very quickly you understand why someone would be trying to get to those beautiful countrysides mm -hmm. because they are take take her back to like these this dilapidated houses and this this sort of like uh psychiatric institution where you know filmed with like tons of like really creepy wide angle lens images there's like yeah. peeling wallpaper and like scary clowns and and <laughs> random ghosts popping up yeah. in your room and i like uh the way that like what you just said where it, it, you you know you could see like the forestry and all that uh, eventually this this film takes about like an hour or so in the in the uh institution and there's a moment where they finally i think one of the the women get out and you know she's she's outside and you can see the trees again and i just i remember feeling like a sense of relief where it was like yeah. I'm, I'm no longer in these concrete walls oh my uh, god yeah. with, with a you know some person with a cello just playing just some random melody and uh that's also something that connects with the with the ending where the the most of this this film really is like watching uh, these individuals in their own spaces going through the the trauma or whatever it or whatever it is um, kind of alone and and dealing with mm -hmm. it alone whereas as the film goes and progresses they get closer and closer to one another to a point where eventually they're within like their community again briefly and then it leads to that that 
that harmonious uh, finale um, mm-hmm. where they all come together. And I just really, really appreciated and liked that that progression that the film takes with showing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, showing I mean, them coming I, together. I, I, especially, too, because the, the, the like, opening hour of the film is, is so harsh and so creepy. I was oh, actually yeah. reminded of um, Fred Wiseman's Titicus Follies, the documentary he did, which was just a documentary of real graphic film shot in the conditions of, you know, sort of like a, a state uh, prison where they, um, well, no, it was a state mental health facility. And it right. Was, but I think it, it I, I think it was very specifically though. It was like ones who had committed crimes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like ones who oh. needed, uh, like they, for some reason in the description, they, they do call it a prison. I mean, whether it is, well, a, it is. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they call it a mental institution or not. It definitely, uh, the like depiction is absolutely a prison. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. You, you, you watch them force feeding them. You watch oh, them wow. just humiliating them, isolating them, stripping them and watching them be taunted mm-hmm. by like guards and things like that. Yeah. So you, so you get like that, that real, brutal conditions of you know sort of like the the lives of the patients um but here arden takes that and and you get sort of like similar feelings of of these these patients treatments but done in like a really surreal subjective style that just makes it even more unbearable because as violet said you know like they they show the treatment of them you know like throwing them into the tubs and mm-hmm. things like that. But the actual experience of that is much so in the filmmaking, it's so hallucinatory and like mm. claustrophobic. And like, again, these characters are conjuring images up that, you know, properly express what it is they're feeling because, you know, you'll get a scene where, you know, she's talking with Jane Arden, who's playing the therapist mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, uh, just asking her questions, you know, do you think you're ill you know, um, what don't you like about your face? She's like holding up mm-hmm. a mirror and showing it to her, even though she's, you know, clearly, um, not, not happy with that. Well, she says, she, I don't, she, I don't want to see it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and she always yeah. says, I, I feel like you're always trying to make a fool out of me. Like we're not having mm-hmm. real conversations as a one-on-one people. Um, and so she, she's describing the, the feelings of, you know, her therapy sessions as, you know, uh, someone who is 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 hurting her, but she doesn't hate that person who's hurting her. And I think she refers to it. She's like, "Is that stupid stupidity, or is that uh, uh, masochistic?" Um, but what's funny is that you know, like you will get that sort of you know just. A, a therapist and a patient talking to each other. That's really all that's happening in that scene. And then the next scene will be, you know, how she actually felt during that scene. And it will be like a fucking clown oh, popping God. up in her room being like, that scene you've got a me, pointless yeah. mind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The, the stuff that happens in the rooms is Oof. so, um, it's really intense. It's and I mean, even like, you know, so, which is again, a terrible word to use, but that's, that's the feeling of watching it. Yeah. It's yeah, terrifying. yeah. It's, it's, it's truly unsettling. I, yeah. Maybe that's more accurate yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, where this woman is kind of docile and lying in bed and there's a lamb laying in the bed with <laughs> her. And then, you know, this, there's somebody in a, in a cabinet sort of shaking around, until the cabinet falls right onto the bed and it's, or, you know, the clown sort of antagonizing her, but also trying to be like, Hey little girl, don't you want to have fun? Do you want to be my assistant? Do you want to be part of my show? Yeah. And, and (laughs) that, that, you know, like that invitation is, um, I mean, it clearly refers to, you know, I don't know. It's like a fucked up version of, uh, 
What's that? What's that Robin Williams movie? God damn it! The oh, cl- uh, the, the one where he's the clown and he where goes he into the through hospitals laughter. or whatever. Patch Adams. Yeah, <laughs> Patch Adams. Adams. Yeah, it's like yeah. a fucked up version of Patch Adams. Right? Like, <laughs> come on, come on, let's let's laugh this. You know, join me. Look how look how sane I am. And yeah. You know the, the the. I mean, and that goes back to you know this idea of like if you are well, you will fit into this society that actually uh, sucks. I love the way that Arden uh, films that scene too, because there's a lot of just different imagery, like the, like you were saying with the, with the girl kind of thrashing in the cabinet. Um, Mm. And then it'll cut back to the clown and it has this really off kilter camera angle where it's like, it's kind of pointing upwards and yeah, um, so it's a low you know, angle shot with a wide up. angle lens. Yeah. So it, it's very weird. Yeah. And she's mm-hmm. constantly just smiling and laughing. And it just gives this this thought of like th- this clown entity is kind of like over looming in her in, in the space. Uh, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely terrifying. It really is. And they use yeah. the clown uh, a couple times throughout the throughout the movie, even in the moment where they get into the field and you're outside again. There's another mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, really terrifying image of, of both of them close up and the girl is just completely straight faced, just trying to like, I, I think get through the episode where the clown is right next to her face, almost like yelling at her. And there's, there's a lot of that. That's just very unsettling, very terrifying. Right. I mean, definitely. Uh, well, and, and there's a, there's a lot of really surreal set pieces that take place throughout the whole thing. Right. Like I yeah. personally, oh, yeah. I was really taken by the one where she wakes up and she's in a bathroom stall next to a little girl with a creepy mask on. And she starts oh, yeah. wandering through like this, what looks like this like rundown concert venue area. And she right. ends up in a room where there's just a noise band playing and she pulls out like a rubber axe and just starts trying to like chop a woman up with it but you can see the axe bending and so it's not a real axe but blood is still flying everywhere out of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Yeah. well i thought i that scene is um because there's there's also this and I, i mean i know this is kind of this is maybe some an image that somewhat dates the film but you know it's a uh the main patient uh gets buried in a wedding dress. And then there's this Mm. incredible scene where she's in the dark in a graveyard and they're projecting um, images of, I guess, from the Blitz and other sort of post-war things onto her and it's kind of shaking around. Yeah. Um, And they, the song that they, they they also, you know, they're playing the song that's uh, from the opera Faust called the Soldier's Chorus. And it's like, you know, our, our for uh, you know our fathers were brave and our sons will be brave too and what's what's interesting about that particular song is not just that it had you know it's really a celebration of m- you know male generation to male generation and that war you know that you must be brave during war that you must be you know a rational brave person um, is that that opera really changes the legend of Faust like it's supposedly based on Goethe's uh, story, but instead it focuses on Faust's love of this woman named Marguerite. Uh, and so Marguerite is this is this beautiful, pure character that Faust loves, and uh, Mephistopheles is trying to sort of help him get with her, but then at one point Mephistopheles like tricks her into killing her daughter with an axe, just like in the <laughs> in the band scene. Um, and oh, then wow. uh, at the end of the opera, 
she is taken to heaven by the angels because she is so pure and that, you know, she is this perfect woman, right? And so it's interesting to see, you know, the only time, you know, the well, not the only time, but, you know, a full band really going for it in this big operatic way where she's, you know, she's kind of trying to chop up this passive, <laughs> you would say, like, childlike other woman. Mm-hmm. And that, and, but then also it's, it's this notion that, well, I can't kill this part of me. I can't kill this docility in me, this thing that has been um, handed to me by the patriarchy, this expectation, right? So there's, there's even within the scenes, there's just so much stuff going on. Um, even mm-hmm. though it is just like a hippie band playing <laughs> in the background. <laughs> well, the, that's just it is that it's, you know, it's all of these ideas like expressed in just like, like unhinged, like unexplained filmmaking. Um, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but cr- credit to Arden is that you, you do feel all of that watching this film. Like this is a very, um, y- unique film when it comes to just the actual, you know, the, the visual and sonic experience yeah. of watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was very uh, taken with it, and and all the surrealist sequences um, uh, throughout it, because again, j- uh, large portions of this are just watching them wander these, you know, really claustrophobic dreamscapes, kind of wondering, like, is is any of this this real? And it it is yeah. real in the sense that the feelings of it are all real. This is actually, you know, this is this is a. Um, sort of an, an in an, an external expression of something that is really happening um, internally and that way it kind of reminded me a little bit I've I maybe also just because I've been watching a lot of it recently but it reminded me a little bit of, of, of Maya Darren um, yes. who I, I recently went through the whole Kino Lorber box set that they were released of hers and I was really taken with her work because it has this very strong sense of kind of like this feminine internal expression but written in experimental formal dream logic and there's something very very similar that Arden is getting at here but also a lot more abrasive a lot more um there's a very pointed critique here of the mistreatment of the women and the feelings that they're feeling um that is just really taken to some extremes that are very uncomfortable um but uh you know also very effective right well the 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 mirror the use of mirrors here is very much like especially Darren. yeah yeah, yeah. And, like like that scene where where specifically where it's the two of them looking at each other and oh, there's yeah. just broken shards of mirror lying mm-hmm. all around the bed and stuff like that that was that was like oh man i feel like i'm watching a maya darren short right now <laughs> right well and i mean darren referred to her films as trance films and she was very mm. interested in um haitian voodoo and she actually went to Haiti and there's this big unfinished project that she had. But again, certain voodoo rituals have, you know, a trance element to them where, you know, that's the, the, there's a blurring between dream and reality and maybe what we would consider, you know, where you're being inhabited by someone else. And again, mm-hmm. how that relates to schizophrenia or you're bringing multiple people into your body and letting them speak through you. So I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I was also thinking of Darren a lot. There was, yeah, there yeah. was one scene um, that I found like it, it showed at least a, a sense of community with all of this, this, uh, these, these like fever dreams that are going on throughout mm-hmm. the the film is when they're all together. And I believe that there's one 
woman that's um, that's crying very hard. She's going through a lot of pain, and it's <clears throat> this. It's I think it's like a therapy session of some kind, and and they all mm-hmm. kind of come together and surround her. And it was like one moment of uh, of uh, just just actual like uh, emotional support, which which was nice because yeah. a lot of the time they're just dealing with this individually, and there's just small moments mm-hmm. where they actually build to uh, or or uh, have a community to help them. Yeah, um, there's all those secluded great. sequences. Like the the there's the woman in the bathtub. There's the other woman who's in like the weird church portion, which looks like mm-hmm. this really dirty like prison bar. But yeah. there's like a crucifixion in the back of it and stuff like that. So a lot of the film is these women secluded um, within their own sort of psychological experiences and how horrifying they are. And then as Jamie's saying, like it, it there are parts where it branches into more like these group therapy sessions or eventually what is like kind of unclear whether it's a real physical escape or it is a psychological escape yeah, because just yeah. the way that the film is drawn, but that is what it is eventually building to. And are you, are you talking about like the, the scenes in the community, like when they eventually make their way eventually. out and they're well, kind the, of the, joining like the field parties and stuff. The, yeah. The first, the first one I was talking about is when I think they're, they're having a, a therapy session within the actual oh, the group institution therapy session. and this, and this one woman is crying very hard and there's just, it's a moment yeah. where they're all kind of surrounding her and, and actually comforting her in some way. Uh, mm-hmm. but then it leads to that, that community, uh, section outside where at first it feels nice because it's like you know it feels like they're back with their their families um in some way they're they're all playing music there's this nice uh this guy in a blue suit with a nice deep voice that like sings a uh, like a folk song uh (laughs) and then as it goes it just starts to get more like uh hedonistic very, very, very different than than the noise music from the uh, yes the <laughs> surreal <laughs> the experimental yeah. noise metallic music yes <laughs> yeah um and then and then as the the scene goes it just starts to get more like uh just i don't know if it's like hedonistic uh that you have a scene where where people are next to a lake and they start to uh make love uh and at first it seems that's jack nice, arden but Oh, oh, is it? Oh, okay. the guy, the guy. So, I mean, again, talking about sort of tortures uh, for this in the name of this film. Uh, yeah. Jane Arden made Jack Bond have sex with one of the actresses and she filmed it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jane Arden is a wild one. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, well he, he liked uh, he liked the Spitfire type. They yeah. originally met. They originally met on this when he was making this documentary about documentary about salvador dali and she was just like okay. giving dali so much shit that she she almost he almost couldn't make the film because dali's like what the fuck <laughs> but anyway Holy shit. yeah and then- I, I i like i like too the other bit of community that they do uh before even they hit the field is the shows that they put on oh and yeah there's oh, one yeah. there's like there's like that musical strip show that felt like it was like straight out of like killing of a chinese bookie or something like Definitely. that yeah 100 um, and I, I, I really liked that, too, because like that, that's an example of sort of like art bringing the people together um, a, a little bit there. But but also, too, I, I like that, you know, that there there is that sense of community that, you know, they get. But then also there is still that that kind of undercurrent of like something is still, you know, sort of like off yeah. or, or, or kind of wrong in a, in a way. And that they that, can't be together fully. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do appreciate that that 
is, um, you know, that's still the feeling you kind of get, like, you know, w- even when you when you get to the end of it. Because, I mean, that sex scene is just so, like, they're just right next to a creek mm-hmm. on a rock. They're just grabbing and, like, flailing. <laughs> like, a, like <laughs> and, the, and the actress covers up her face, too, right? Like, yeah. yeah. You know, well, yeah, and, and, and it... And it it ends with her falling in the creek where yep. she uh, where it cuts into being the drowned patient in the tub with the right. peeling paint on the walls mm-hmm. and just it, it it looks like the kid's bathtub in like gummo or something like that <laughs> yeah. and like that's where that sex scene leads to is the woman waking up in that right. um, it, it's really horrible actually <laughs> no well well one thing I wanted to ask about because I I I watched this many years ago and then I rewatched, obviously I rewatched it for this. Um, but there's this one part that I forgot existed and it comes right before, you know, the big party out in the community where mm. it's the therapist and this other woman sitting in a park and talking with each other. And she's, and the yes. therapist is describing this treatment that she's been putting this woman through and it's like, well, you know, she can't see her husband or children. Like we, I, you know, I had to try and like get her to this point so she could, uh, you know, stabilize her basically. And, um, the woman, the, the woman who's listening to her talk asks, you know, she's like, well, how do you, how do you define schizophrenia? And the, the therapist is like, well, it's entirely dependent on who's diagnosing. And so, and the exactly. woman responds. That's so telling. Yeah. And the woman responds, which is, I love this. She says, so it's entirely through his eyes. Mm-hmm. Even though she's talking to a female therapist, a, a professional, you know, who's do, who does this all the time, this woman is still like, the doctor is a man. And I thought that was so, mm-hmm. that just really stuck out to me. This time, and of course, that they're surrounded by children and you hear the sounds of like children being happy and they're like so far away from the isolation and the um, the terror of the institution. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. And I I like that specifically she mentions, too, that, you know, like, you know, each I think she mentions that there are like three or four doctors in the institution that each one of them has a completely different different definition. And how you come out depends on who you've been assigned to. Right. It's like there there is no right fix to this this issue or these people's problems that it is entirely dependent on on the you know sort of like basically the theory of this person who's just yeah, like just playing the subjective with your interpretation of what might be going on mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so so whether, whether whether you come out you know once again you know someone who can participate in uh you know sort of like the domestic status quo is you know dependent on whether you know the doctor sort of decides that that's what they're gonna do <laughs> or yeah. not yeah. um so yeah and and so it, it does sort of um, you know, critique that power dynamic for sure, because you're getting the experience of, you know, the patients having their minds played with and how each one of them is having a com- completely different experience in their own way. Yeah. And that nothing is and, really and, and, resolved. And, no, you don't no. It, the- in, in fact, they all just become their unique individual sort of personality and treatment, but all together right. during that, uh, you know, during what uh, amounts to a like nude mountain crucifixion. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, That's a wild <laughs> image. Yeah. <sighs> they, they got like the bonfire. They got the woman on stilts. They got the drumming, the cymbals. Mm-hmm. Um just they completely let loose with like both the body and the mind and I like, the camera. I like and, that and, they're and surrounded ends, by a like a 
some, it's like a some type of manufacturing building or, or some type of tower that's just on fire, and that's kind of like what they're worshiping. I don't know if it yeah, was... well, because it, it's a it's it's the it's a Welsh mining town, right? Yeah. Right. So it's like the, she the, was born in she was born in Wales. So this okay. is like uh, you, you want to talk about Freudianism? She's kind of going back home to sort some <laughs> things out, maybe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely, but I, I I also like to the very last lines of the film where it's the therapist asking her to tell, she yes. says, tell me about your head. And she says, I don't know very much about my head. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and you're, so you're left with like that, that just that sort of unhinged ritualistic sort of like surreal sequence of all of them, you know, collaborating in, you know, sort of like this, the, again, it's, it's, it's a bonfire with crucifixions, with stilts, with drumming, with music, with, with just everything. Cellos. Yeah. Well, and cello this, being a cello being the instrument, you have to really spread your legs to play. And I'm sure that's something Arden had very <laughs> much in her mind, where she's like, "I need a woman playing the cello." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she definitely likes to repeat that image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Well, and also there's a little bit there's a little bit of conversation after what you mentioned, where she's like, "I don't know my head." Where, and the final line right. of the film is the patient saying, "Because you hate us." To the therapist yeah. and right. it's such a because again this this therapist is an agent of what Arden sees as the patriarchy of health of this thing of this expectation that uh, women live up to these conflicting ideas of who they must be in order to be um, healthy and acceptable to society and to their husbands and to their children and it was um, mm -hmm. it was very chilling <laughs> yeah yeah, it's a truly terrifying movie. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I, I didn't even think of it as a horror movie mm -hmm. um, when I first saw it. And then, like, Richard Brody did a listicle of, like, good horror movies <laughs> this year. And I saw it on there. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it is a horror movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When you think about it, for sure. And, and yeah. I mean, stylistically, like there, there's not much different going on here than what you would, you know, expect from many other sort of like surreal psychological, you know, horror right. films that are, that are drawn like the, the filmmaking and the, the, the formal dream logic of it, the formal nightmare logic of it is very yeah. Um, yeah. similar to what you would see. And even just simple imagery that we're kind of used to even like, uh, I guess, but she always adds a twist. I mean, we, you know, like an ax murderer, but this time she has a eight year old uh, child in a, in mm. a mask holding the ax. Well, right, uh, right. I think, uh, I think another little boy's running around in a diaper getting chased by the ax person as well at one point so yeah. yeah there's definitely like some traditional horror uh imagery but then she she always finds a way to just make it kind of like this this fever dream nightmare well and i mean and there's this part where one of the patients is wandering around and in the narration or in voiceover you hear the part of alice in wonderland where alice asks mm. the cheshire cat how how it knows that she's mad and how does the cat know he's mad. Right. And yeah, I right. mean, it's, uh, it's interesting to think about Lewis Carroll, uh, mercury poisoned pedophile that he was, <laughs> yeah. but also cherished, <laughs> cherished children's book author. Right. And that, you know, by keeping these women in this institution, they're being infantilized 
in a in a very real way that they're mm-hmm. not you know yeah. their movement is restricted they're being treated like children again you know going back to scary clown stuff um, but then they're also being expected to grow up which is something right. you know that's a, that's a big conflict in Alice in Wonderland too um, but I mean I, the, but then of course just on a very surface level it's like well here's a story you read as a child that mentions madness. But what, what happens if we look a little deeper into it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, um, I think there's a lot of that going on where if you just say like, oh, there's an excerpt from Alice in Wonderland in this, you kind of roll your eyes like, yeah, of course. Of course, it was like, like 60s, <laughs> early 70s feminism. Of course, they're going to fucking mention that. Uh, <laughs> but you, but you, the way she takes that and really turns it on its head and, fits it into these other things that are happening in the film and or even just putting it in the context of an asylum that's only for women uh i think it it really um yeah i mean i mean j- j- just upgrading those ideas and putting them in the very specific context of yeah you know a psychiatric institution as a force of you know the of of the status quo and sexual religious and patriarchal oppression just you know all all at the same time and again also drawing that in a sense of you know again you have you know sort of like the the more surreal filmmaking qualities to it but the stuff that's not is 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 really dirty and gritty and and from uh, I'm, I'm assuming for some reasons for for budgetary constraints but it has like that that 70s kind of grotesquerie to it mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. with again just the the, the dilapidated look of the 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 rooms that they're in and how she shoots them to really distort them with the angled lenses and things like that too, to make them even scarier. And yeah, so I, I mean, I think that, uh, maybe pivoting towards the reductive rating around here, which for you, Violet, where we remove all the words, all the nuance, and reduce the movie between a number between one and five. But it's also oh, turned into fuck. <laughs> closing <laughs> statements. And if there was any scenes or lines we didn't hit, we usually bring them up here. It's usually, uh, you know, that, that's kind of what it's turned into. But I, I think, like, that, again, the fact that I was thinking about, you know, sort of like the, you know, Fred Wiseman documentary filmmaker who made a film about a really graphic portrayal about the conditions of, you know, sort of like this mental institution. The fact that I'm at once thinking about that, about, you know, what, what feels like very real pain, very horrible, um, you know, mistreatment of people by an institution. Mm -hmm. And then also thinking of Maya Darren, who could not be further from that, who, who, you know, is, is drawing completely in experimental, um, formal dream logic in a lot of different different ways um and you know trying to create these these very heightened images so the fact that both of those you know were things that came up shows to me that Arden is doing something very interesting here and especially too you know the fact that this despite the fact this is a very scary um I would describe a hostile movie it's very Mm -hmm. uh, assaultive I, I could see why this would be a hard film for someone to watch yeah um that that's just the way that it the way that it's drawn despite that it's it's a very sensitive film um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a film that, that feels like looking at yourself in a broken mirror in that kind of way. It's got that jagged edge to it, but it, but it also has that, you know, there's, there's something real and truthful happening there. And, you know, so it doesn't care much about tracking the narrative as it does about capturing the feelings of hysteria and institutional quote unquote help, you know, uh, turning that into like this strange, you know, fun house poem almost mm-hmm. um 
where you're not really meant to make make sense of it in 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 some ways because you know in in reality um this it's really just a you know a figure of authority who you know uh, is playing with you uh hurting you and the experience of the film once again very can be grueling um but arden uh very transgressive and and avant-garde yeah. um style that she's yeah. she's applying it to so i was very taken with it so this one gets a, a very high four uh from me yeah and she she has like just uh, what i love too is while showing you all of these really just pretty wild images and and kind of like a very incoherent uh story because it's not it's not really a story you're just kind of uh uh, taking in what these what these women are going through and trying to get into their headspace. Um, yeah, there's there, there, there's a lot of is this happening or is this right? right. <laughs> and even with all the going like, on in someone's head, coherent uh, uh, wildness, it, it it does have a lot of empathy and sympathy for them throughout, which I just loved because I could find a you know a lesser filmmaker would would find a way to to still give you these kind of like terrifying images, but not express them in a way that that uh, has real empathy for for the characters but this is just you know it's you can tell that she really wanted to to show how these uh these systems corrupt the mind Mm -hmm. and you know can take over in that sense and i love just the 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 thought of their them going through it individually and and not really having a sense of community a community or anything like that and then leading to the end where it becomes this harmonious uh, like music of of trauma, and I, I, I just thought that uh, that was a great way of expressing that. Um, and yeah, I, I does, has she done other films? Is this the only film that she? Directed? Oh no, she she did she did several other films. Um, okay, usually in collaboration with uh, Jack Bond. Um, okay, one of them. I mean, I think her uh, her last. I think anti anti clock was like her last film, I believe, and that's almost uh, almost more of a conventional. Well, mm. I don't know, sort of. Not, I wouldn't even say it's conventional. It's less. It's less combative. More than so this, than this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it and it's um, it's it's kind of like a sci-fi thing. Okay. And but it's shot on early video, and it's you know it's through closed circuit uh, TV monitors. It's 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 really um, excellent. And it's also available on YouTube for free. So is this movie. Oh, awesome. I, well, I think, have to check um, that out. yeah. But yeah, for me, it was a, a four out of five. Definitely and the thing out. That, that stood out for me once again, is just the, the way that she used uh, music and how it kind of connected with uh, the, 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 the women's minds, uh, especially that, that scene with the, those, with the, the band. those screeching and scratching sounds are really horrible. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horrifying. The sound design is, is very, very good in this, um, and I once again love that scene with the band itself and having that uh, the synthesizer or keyboardist just kind of go wild and and as once again as that uh, song progresses, it just gets more and more incoherent, more expressive, just just more angry, really. Uh, and um, it, it's it's just great. I, I loved the 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 way they use music in this. So yeah, four out of five yeah. for me. Absolutely for you, Violet. Um, so I'm going to give this five out of five Yonic nice. symbols. <laughs> nice. Um, Let's go. I thought, I thought it was, um, yeah, it, it's, um, I mean, it's like a classically challenging film, uh, from that era. And, you know, obviously the idea of taking these 
actresses and putting them into this situation, you know, isolating them for four weeks in this one location, forcing them to be in this terrifying new home and a home, of course, being affiliated with the domestic. Uh, I think it's it was really, I, I mean, what she gets out of it, even though she was being really being very cruel to these people you know both on screen as the therapist and then as the director the writer the conceiver of this project um i think it's it she really achieves something that is um amazing and it's always you know there are there have been i I can't help but think of more recent films where it's like okay or you know i know I, i i like terrence malick but forgive me like song to song like where it's like okay i'm just gonna have these actors do these different games. They're kind of just yeah. going to go at it. And it's just so fucking boring and not good because <laughs> yeah. they're not actually very good actors, some of them um, versus this where it's like, okay, so these are, this is the sort of intensity and um, honesty you can only get out of, you know, this intense rehearsal process, this intense immersion Mm-hmm. Um, and what it's saying, I think, you know, obviously I, I don't necessarily agree with, um, I agree with the critique, her critique of psychiatry, but I'm not going to say that psychiatry itself should be done away with. It should probably be right, thought yeah. of in some way. Um, but <laughs> she, sure. I, I, I found that, you know, uh, like I said, I, I, there are parts of it that really, um, I don't know, I identified with, or I was like, Oh, I didn't realize that I also did that to myself. That sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, I mean, not that you always have to see yourself on some of it, that you could have an epiphany. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's a good film, and I think uh, you should, you know, power through it. Just really yeah. give yourself over to it. Don't look at your phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't don't live tweet it. <laughs> just yeah, I go found for myself. It. I found myself unable to really look at my phone. Besides when I was just like taking <laughs> notes and stuff, because I was constantly wondering what she was going to throw at me next. Right. Just the, the imagery is just so uh, just wild that I, I I was like anything could happen next on screen. So it's I was very unpredictable. Yeah, I was attached. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you going to do to me here? Yeah. So. Well, and Fantastic. I would also, also say it reminded me of um, Let's Scare Jessica to Death because oh, yeah. of the drowning. Yeah, for sure. Because of Which is that. so funny because we, we, did, we did not plan that, but we just talked yeah. about that two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know, I know, I know. I was like, I, I, I kept thinking about it and how, you know, um, the, how this is this anti-narrative, this very bold anti-narrative exploring the same ideas in some ways as Let's Scare, <clears throat> Let's Scare Jessica to Death in a comparable location, you know, this remote dilapidated, uh, farmhouse, you know, Mm -hmm. there was, it was, um, it's interesting to think of those two films, like in conversation with each other. Um, it also shows that, that many, you know, or even like, um, who's crazy that it's, I think it's an Italian film where it, it, that this, that this idea was in the air and being talked about in a way that, you know, maybe problematic, but interesting, and you know, mm-hmm. potentially useful, not just aesthetically, but you know, emotionally, uh, mentally. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that one scene in Let's Je- uh, Let's Scare Jessica to Death where she's kind of going through a, a mental breakdown in her room by herself, kind of hearing herself like, you'll never get through this, that yeah. kind of thing. That could right. have been almost like ripped from that movie and put into exactly. this in a way. So yeah, that's a, that's a, a good comparison for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that's going to wrap it up for uh, the other side of the underneath. We are going to be right back and we are going to be talking about anguish. Add to his collection. All the eyes of the city will be ours. And even get into the movies. One place. You have no idea what it's like to really suffer. When you disobey mother? Anguish. All right, we are back and we are talking about Anguish, the 1987 um, Spanish horror film directed by uh, uh, Biggest Luna. I hope I said that right. This is the Josh Pronounces People's Names Wrong (laughs) podcast, as we've been over many times before. That's right. This film uh, stars a... um, Zelda Rubinstein, uh, Michael Lerner, Talia Paul. Um, and it is a very hard film uh, to describe in a log line. So we might <laughs> have to unfold this one a little bit as we go through it because I had heard a lot about this film and mm-hmm. I was completely surprised by the actual film. Yeah, me too. Um, that it actually was because it is most commonly sort of spoken about, you know, uh, because people, I think, want to... Um, not spoil it for other people. It is (laughs) mostly spoken about as the sort of giallo film um, that it it, it sort of is for about 30 minutes. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we, we go full spoilers on the show. Everyone knows because, you know, we, we make a That's point. That's the only way to talk about, about a fucking movie. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. Yeah. the way that it goes. We, we, <laughs> we're right there with you. We've, we've always <laughs> just straight up spoiled every film we've ever talked about on the main show. Oh yeah. Uh, without saying it, I figured I'd say it just for this one because I did so much appreciate the experience that I would recommend if anyone who cares about that kind of stuff wanted to watch the film first and then come back and listen, I would say, yeah, go ahead and do that. Yeah. Uh, cause I did really appreciate the experience I had with it. But that's um, the only one. Yeah. We're, we're going to be there's no, there's literally no way to talk about this film without just um i think jumping right into the fact that this is a, an extremely um <laughs> metafictional horror film oh yeah um it is um very uh broadly a you know a a giallo film in the vein of stuff that we've talked about before i mean we've covered a lot of argento we've covered bava we've covered fulci on this show um it 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 has a a sort of similar um vibe to it as you're watching uh, michael lerner playing this character named john pressman who is the uh, diabetic son of this um woman named alice um and he is also um oh my god uh ophthalmologist's assistant yeah he's an orderly at like an eye clinic yeah yes that's a way to say it without having to say ophthalmologist (laughs) (laughs) yeah god damn yes 
he he works with people's eyes and eyesight, but he is also, uh, as Violet noted, he really is just you know uh, a, a pretty lowly uh, assistant yeah. um, who is also uh, himself. Apparently, he is actually growing um, blind. Um, and his mother props him up as like the best surgeon in town or something like that. <laughs> that, that, that which that's comes into play best. with their relationship for but sure. But is she See, That's wrong? one of the best moments when she's screaming on the phone. He's like, <laughs> he's the best surgeon in your hospital. Well, uh, and, and <laughs> is she wrong? Look how <laughs> he good. does a very good job taking out those eyeballs. Very Come clean. On. He's, he, very he's clean. good. But I mean, I mean, I feel like if I was trying to <laughs> hopefully have better eyesight, <laughs> that I would not be going to this man. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't replace them; just takes them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in in that sense, it actually kind of reminded me a little bit of um, uh, Peeping Tom, <laughs> which we talked about on the show. Oh, uh, he's he. Yeah. No, this movie. I mean, I think what really makes me love this movie is that there's so many. It's kind. It, it's a meta. It's a film that's playing with its meta textualness, but it's also mm-hmm. yeah. commenting on metatextual horror films like that, like very clearly and kind of making fun of them in certain mm-hmm. respects. Like it's you know, it's going out of its way to have, you know, like the literally slicing up an eyeball, you know, having a little <laughs> yeah. homage to Shannon the Lou, having a ref, you know, with yeah. the, the pigeons and the snails, like just having the most disgusting fucking pets possible. <laughs> Casting yeah. Zelda Rubenstein after Poltergeist and being like, you know, you know the slave from Poltergeist. Come on, you know this is gonna. Yep. She's weird. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> all of these things. And I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. C- she's continue, so creepy but- too. That 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 raspy, high pitched voice that she has as she's like, you don't know what it is to suffer. Yeah, her delivery is amazing. <laughs> well, what about, uh- I mean, she is she is such ridiculous. Like, I mean, when she does, uh, and again, the fact that it's so Freudian. Or Lacani, yes. rather, that she, yeah. you know, that the way that she, you know, she lives alone with her son and they live in this really dank, dark apartment uh, and she sort of like psychically bonds with him and she's, and she says, you know, she's, you know, she's telling him to like focus. It's sort of like a hypnosis thing, but mostly yeah. it's just like this very weird, like the child is returning to the mother's body and she's like, your head is filling up with blood. And it's like the way she talks <laughs> about it is like a very clearly a sexual thing. Like the way, you know, it's sort of like yeah, his head becomes definitely. a penis in this way. And it's like this, it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah. it's also yeah. Her when when she's hypnotizing him and she's like, "We are once again together yes. as one, mommy I, and son." I love the I love the imagery too because it's just that like that classic uh, hip, hypnosis thing where she puts on a record with a spiral like black and yes. white spiral, yeah. and it, I don't know. It reminded me of like uh, something that they do you know, back in like the fifties or sixties when someone's like spinning out of control or something like that. I really uh, appreciated that. Well, no, that's what they had. He has on his, the peeping Tom thing, right? He doesn't, he have that spiral yeah. that goes as uh, uh, attached to the camera oh, right. to like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, even the, fa- about, or uh, the fact that it's called the, the, the movie is called the mommy. It's oh, just right. Like yes. such a, <laughs> such yeah. A the, lazy, the film within a film. Yeah, the film within the film is called The Mommy, which is such a fucking lazy title. But it's also like you're watching The Mommy and you're like, oh, shit, this is good. 
This yeah. is good. <laughs> I would watch good. this. I yeah. love yeah when he like kills the yuppies in their all white house. Like I'm just like, oh my god, yes, <laughs> this rules. Yeah, yeah. I but well, that's the thing is like at, at first because I didn't know that it did the whole the the meta twist or whatever within like the first twenty minutes, half an hour. So mm-hmm. I was on board with all the weirdness and crazy shit I was seeing. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's see where this yeah. mom and son relationship goes. Here, here we go. And and then it does this whole other thing. Uh, but speaking of uh, Michael Lerner, has he done other um, like horror stuff? Because I know him from like Barton Fink and like Elf and things like well, that. So I remember him uh, very vividly from an episode of Tales from the Crypt, where oh, he okay. plays an ice cream. Uh, he 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 uh, he makes his living as an ice cream truck salesman, and uh, he's actually like an evil twin. Like he, oh. and then he like uh, these guys are like trying to steal his ice cream shop, truck and take all the money, <laughs> and they kill his twin. But then he comes back and he kills them. So okay. that's just a. I, I have very fond memories of staying up after Saturday Night Live was over, uh, and watching heavily edited uh, <laughs> Tales from the Crypt episodes on my local NBC affiliate. <laughs> so nice. I, that one was always burned yeah. in my mind. It was really good. And I actually rewatched oh. all of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess. I got to do that. God, la- two years ago now. That's the uh, time. But, you know, it was, uh, those, those, those are still really great. And you can see some of your favorite celebrities and minor character actors. Yeah. Really go for it. Yeah, do some and, uh, crazy <laughs> stuff. It, uh, yeah. But he's yeah, been in a lot my, of Michael stuff. Michael Lerner. I have also just looked up. Apparently, he was in William Lustig's Maniac Cop Two, which That's I still right. haven't seen. Oh, okay. But if, but I mean, but I mean, if, if you're in a Bill Lustig movie, uh, I mean, God help you. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, this this film is clearly like reacting to like a Bill Lustig thing, right? Oh yeah, like yeah. it's definitely. Like I said, it's so good. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of, you know, like the 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 basic, you know, fundamentals of, um, you know, sort of like a what kind of trashy European exploitation horror kind of looked like, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, you think that's the film that you're just watching for about 20 or 30 minutes. And uh, I mean, credit to Luna. Like you're just into it. It's it's effective. Yeah. I felt like I was yeah. watching like like when he breaks into that house and he's cutting people's eyes out and stuff. I thought I was watching like a De Palma movie briefly. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. um, I know. It's I was so good. I, I was having a great time. Well, like, he um, but puts then, the, he puts the record on when she starts like and it, the opera crescendos right as she starts screaming. Like yes, that's such yes. a De Palma thing. And I was just oh, like, oh for yes. sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I was watching like one of the one of the uh, suspense sequences out of like Dress to Kill or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Or yeah. um, that's that's absolutely what it feels like watching Michael Lerner, who's you know getting revenge on this woman who you know uh, was very upset about how uh, brutally he put the contacts uh, <laughs> into her during their session. And uh, after his mother hypnotizes him, he goes on a killing spree where he is going to take all of their eyes. And he just starts cutting people's eyes out with scalpels. Well, it's not really, just really anywhere. Horrible. He 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 kills this yup this evil yuppie couple, and then he goes yeah. to the movies. Oh yeah, yeah. And well, Zelda what's interesting though? At one point, she says, "Take, uh, we're going to take all the eyeballs in the world," and it's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, and again, it's like this ridiculous 
thing, but it also totally, like, clearly a meta commentary on the act of watching a film, but then also, like, that fits in that narrative. She probably does want her son to fucking take all, uh, as many eyeballs as possible. (laughs) But what's super interesting is how early he lets you in on, you know, what what I think otherwise would be described as sort of, like, the gimmick of the movie, but I think is so well constructed that it's really not that. Yeah. But it's during that first kill when he first pulls that yuppie woman's eye out um, that you can tell immediately sort of like the texture of the screen changes. It kind of gets that more sort of like uh, that the film imperfection quality to it. Like all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you're watching uh, a film print. Mm -hmm. And then during that murder sequence, it is revealed that you are watching a movie within a movie that the Michael Lerner and Zelda Rubenstein film, the mommy is actually being watched by the, you know, the main characters of what is going to be the film that we're actually watching, um, anguish. And the, it, it, I love that it happens during that first like squirm inducing moment of him like pulling an eyeball out mm-hmm. and it just cuts to a girl being like, Oh, I don't, I don't, this is just making me dizzy. You think this is fun? Like this is just <laughs> right. creepy. And I'm like, I think this is kind of fun. Yeah. I like that. That one and, girl definitely would have been a fan of the show for sure. <laughs> the other one, not so yeah, much. I mean, not so much. Yeah, the, the the one the one girl is like berating her friend for being freaked out by the <laughs> yeah. movie, being like, well, you don't next like time this? I'll take you to a Disney movie. Right. Right. No, That's a great line. Cool. She's so merciless. Oh yeah, like, girl, unreal. Girl, but that you know, and what I love is that you see her getting like sick and like you know having reaction to the film as if it were real, right? Where she's sweating, yes. she's feeling ill. And then you see other people in the movie start to feel that way too. And mm-hmm. did you watch the copy of this film where it has like the narration at the beginning? I didn't. I, I actually looked for multiple copies to find the one with the narration at the beginning because I heard about it though. Yeah. Cause the, the narration is, I mean, the narration is basically like, you know, you may experience certain sim- physical symptoms during this film, but you should not talk, you know, the, exerting like that bodily control over the spectator and be like, you should talk. If you get nauseous, you know, you might be hypnotized slightly by this film. And then, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And then uh, later on, uh, well here, keep talking. And then it it relates to uh, something that happens in the movie theater of the people who are watching the mommy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what's so funny. I I really wished I had had seen this version because apparently it says, you know, uh, during this film you are about to see, you will be subjected to subliminal messages and mild hypnosis. This will cause you no physical harm or lasting effect. But if for (laughs) any reason you lose control or feel that your mind is leaving your body, leave the auditorium immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Do not go on a killing spree. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, yeah. So so people are just watching. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Or yeah. But yeah, people are watching and we're getting all these shots of their faces and their eyes watching the screen of Michael Lerner in like a trashy giallo movie, literally ripping people's eyeballs out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's and, 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 and you're watching these people who, again, despite the fact as Violet has pointed out, like all of the kind of cliches that it, the film is operating it in are kind of exaggerated uh, cartoonishly in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. The people are still physically recoiling. They're still buying yeah. into it as, as, as if it's real, which is, you know, 
know, kind of just overall, it's, you know, it's what we do with movies. You're recognizing the artificiality of it, but still, you know, being viscerally impacted by it, um, you know, what you're seeing on, on the screen. But yeah, then you get, you know, Zelda being like, all the eyes of the city will be ours. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and here's the scroll being like, this feels too real, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm fucked up right now. <laughs> well, I mean, and I love that for those first couple of audience shots because it's like, she she is freaking out and then maybe one or two other people are freaking out. But then literally everyone else is just like, 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 like chewing their popcorn like cud, just totally blank faced. Or um, yeah. there's this one guy who's there with his girlfriend who's just like takes a bite of popcorn, slowly chews it, and then they smooch. They start to make out. <laughs> like, they're just so dispassionate. It's just like everybody is just like on uh, on their little track going around fulfilling their duty. Uh, yeah, and I, they, yeah. they, even though they say, oh, I love this movie, <laughs> there's no reaction. <laughs> one it's shot so, I really so like. Good. With uh, actually, it's a it's a funny use of popcorn. It's it's within the the mommy movie, and it's when Michael Lerner oh, is God. going around and killing everybody in the in the <laughs> theater, and he kills one dude while the girlfriend is away getting popcorn, and then she comes right. back and asks him to like, hey, do you want some popcorn? <laughs> and so that she, he doesn't find she doesn't find out that he's dead, he like reaches over and grabs the popcorn himself, and yes. and I just I I appreciated that there was actually some like dark twisted comedy to the film a lot of the time too um, well, also the i love that these this audience of people in the theater in mommy and the mommy are just watching this old dinosaur movie like this black and white piece of shit yeah they're just I mean, watching the lost I mean, world yeah yeah the, the lost world and they're just sort of again totally dispassionately chewing their popcorn uh, being good spectators supposedly no one's talking and just they're enraptured by it and that allows, you know, uh, the Michael Lerner character to go around and just, you know, cut everybody yeah. up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, and that, that's when it gets really crazy with the filmmaking because Michael Lerner's character in the mommy, he goes to the movie theater to watch the last world and he starts killing people in the movie theater. And then, but it's cutting between him killing people in the movie theater in the film and then the people watching that in a theater on screen and you can see them actually begin to kind of like shift as he's watching they're watching like a dude like do a slash in movie inside a theater yeah. and they're starting to kind of get like a little weirded out by that <laughs> do you know what this reminded me of and it I mean, it's completely stolen, actually, now that I've... Because I just hadn't seen this movie before. But uh, the opening to Wes Craven's Scream 2... Oh, yeah. ...is just straight up this. 100%. Well, Wes there, Craven there, was, like, on postmodernism way before. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, like... Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's like, the master. Uh, what's... I, I've seen, like, all the good um, Freddy movies, and, and, like, that one... I still think about that one where it's, like, the actors from Nightmare on Elm Street uh, start to become, like, their characters. I still think about that one. That one's fucking genius. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's the, the new Nightmare. New yeah, Nightmare. that one's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, that's great. Or Dream yeah, really Warriors. Exactly, we, but we but like that whole that whole opening where they're watching the events of the original Scream oh on screen in a movie theater, yeah. and then you know um, it's uh, Jada Pinkett Smith gets up and goes to the washroom, yep. and um, 
or no, sorry, the boyfriend gets up and goes to the washroom and he gets killed in the bathroom stall, which they also do in this. They have, you know, the one girl leaves because she's so upset about the film that she goes to the bathroom stall where she finds out there's actually a real killer actually operating within the movie theater that they're watching, well, possibly no. inspired by the movie that they're watching, The Mommy. Well, yeah. for, no, Because he's seen she, it so many times. But she goes, no, because the the girl who's like the canary in the coal mine... She gets really mm-hmm. sick and she goes into the bathroom and she sees mm-hmm. um, somebody wearing blue jeans and these kind of like square sneakers. And she's like, oh, my God, mm. there's a man in there and he's going to kill all of us. And so then her friend, yeah. who is just like, you know, she loves she loves gore. She's Hold like, OK, ass. fine, I'll go in. Then she goes in. She passes mm-hmm. a woman who's kind of, uh, you know, she has short hair, blue jeans on, the sneakers on. She passes her. She goes into the bathroom and she's like, Ugh, my friend, you know, yeah, my friend is overreacting. And then the man, the man who is going to kill everybody in the theater where people are watching, the mommy comes in and he has very similar shoes on. And he has, <laughs> yeah. and then that's when the, that's when the bloodbath starts. So it's like, there's this, false start to the to the the massacre that i just think is so fucking good and also i mean i'm sure we could you know i i I feel like i'm rushing you guys talking about this film because i love it i just enjoy it so much but you want to get to the the meaty parts for sure i know the 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 guy who is he's committing the killing spree in the theater where people are watching the mommy he just looks so much like lon cheney he has like this Frankenstein kind of like where he's this very long face, these giant mm-hmm. bags under his eyes. His shoes are kind of like square in a way, or excuse me, not Lon Chaney, the Boris Karlov Frankenstein, where he has the long face, the huge bags under his eyes, mm-hmm. like these sneakers that are really square. Um, you know, and he's just, I don't know. I kept every time I saw him or wait, or when we first sort of start seeing him in the theater, I was just really struck. He's like, he's the classic movie monster, right? Yeah. It Mm -hmm. it was just, it was just like, um, I also uh, like the way they film his violence because like we get, we get some violence in the beginning with the, with the eye cutting and stuff like that. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's filmed more like a like a giallo it's 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 got a little more artistic flair to it whereas the first kill that we get with uh, the guy that's within our movie anguish uh he just it's a it's a cashier at the at the popcorn stand or whatever and she just goes like wow you've seen this movie quite a few times and out of nowhere (laughs) a shotgun blast just blasts her away and it's so to the point and just like it's very jarring that I found it like uh, it, it's it's much more cold the way that they express the killing and the murders in the the anguish film that we're watching compared to the mommy which is more like over the top and it, I don't I mean I kind of want to say fun to be honest but you know <laughs> it is what it is uh, well it, no I mean it's like it's like the difference which I mean it's not just sort of an expression of like real violence versus screen violence. It's also right. like, here's American violence. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because, sure. absolutely. You know, I, I, think, I think that's idealized version of American violence where instead of a gun, he has a scalpel, right? Which yeah. is obviously way more For European sure. way to approach uh, a killing spree. And I, I, I thought that that was also on my mind throughout this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Because, because do you know, do you know what it, it actually recalled for me was um, targets, 
uh, oh, 1968 yeah. film 100%. about the dude who goes on the lone gunman killing spree. And, yeah. and it's used in that film as a similar sort of metatextual quality as the backdrop for, you know, this dying form of an older Hollywood and the new Hollywood kind of right. coming in. Right. The birth of this more gruesome Hollywood that reflects you know, the, the, you know, American psychology and culture that, that exists now. Mm -hmm. And so despite the fact that the film that they're watching is all sort of like European eyeballs and blades and your Argentos and your Fulci's, it's really geniusly cross cut between the exploitation film that, that the characters are watching and the one that we're watching, which is more of, you know, again, like a, like a mass killing spree. Yeah. Um, like I love movie. that contrast and, and between, you know, I it almost becomes a crime or cop movie by the yeah. end. Yeah. yeah. Like I, we were talking about that popcorn gag that he does in, within the mommy movie, but then mm -hmm. you cut to like the, the killer, in in the uh, in anguish where he's just dragging bodies in the bathroom and piling them into a yes. bathroom stall like it's just so much colder and, and gross in that sense definitely yeah. definitely and and yeah I mean if we get into like the really big meat which is the the main sustained set piece of the film is the the killer in anguish killing a bunch of the theater patrons who are watching the mommy. Uh, which in the film has Michael Lerner going on a killing spree in the theater at the same time. So we're cross-cutting between the two, and there are many moments, very intentionally, where you almost can't distinguish between the two. Right. Mm -hmm. Because at a certain point, you know, they're watching Michael Lerner in The Mommy go out into the lobby start to seal the doors. Yeah. And what's so amazing is that it kind of gets into the anxiety of the theater patrons because they're watching, they're basically watching an instructional video right. on how to massacre a movie theater's worth of people <laughs> while they're sitting in mm -hmm. a movie theater. So you can start to watch their eyes, you know, shift around. They start to squirm around in their seats a little bit. They start checking their surroundings yeah. for a killer a little bit being yeah. like, well, you know what? It's just a movie though. You know, I'm kind of getting these, you know, these anxious feelings, but you know, it, it's just a movie. And they say that all the time. They're like, this stuff's not real. It's all make believe. Like, you know, the girl is constantly reassuring her that it's just a movie. Um, and, but all, everything in their body language is, you know, it, it is getting under their skin in certain ways as, you know, the actual killer starts going through and, and killing people in the theater and watching both of them. You do kind of get that contradiction, which is again, you're watching something that's so, uh, again, heightened and stylized to the point of cartoon in the mommy. And then you're watching the more realistic version of that taking place in this, but still drawn in these really, you know, uh, formally well done suspense sequences that you know they they do kind of recall what i like so much about the um you sort of reflexive uh, the self-reflexive suspense sequencing of someone like brian de palma where he uses right. your knowledge of the cliches and the form and the trickery and the artificiality of it to the point where he brings your attention to it mm -hmm. but at the same time still minds it for really uh you know real horror and real emotional torment like i think of things like blowout or body mm -hmm. double or, or or femme fatale and it's how you buy into these things that you know are fake but they feel real even yeah, if you yeah. know that that sensation of having to remind yourself it's just a movie it can't hurt you it's just a movie which is funny right. too because we just talked about that in the fury <laughs> which is actually a line that one of the characters gets to the kids because they're they're tr they're um brainwashing the kids using film that's right, right. Yeah. and they're saying you have to watch but it's just a movie don't worry because oh. there's that feeling that you have a sense of artistic distance or the literal distance from your seat to the screen mm -hmm. well, but 
But I would also but, say, but 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 the distance that it has from your eyes and your mind is very close. <laughs> no, I think you're totally right on about that. But then also you have to remember that this came out in the '80s when that first wave of panic about you know uh, video nasties, I was violence. Bring yes, yeah. yeah, that that sort of um, that idea came into the public consciousness and it was very aggressive. And it was like you can't these these things should not be allowed to exist. Because they create right. mm-hmm. vi- this horrific violence. Um, and of course, you know, then it would sort of crescendo in the 90s with like, you know, Marilyn Manson and uh, Doom and, you know, video- violent video games and, you know, right. the, you know, what I, what I like about shootings, but. What, yeah. what I like about the way they use it in this film, though, is, is I don't necessarily know if the director was, was, was going for like, a film can affect you in this way, but the way that the the character is and the way that the plot goes, it does feel like it's kind of giving you that scare for media. And I, and I like it to be honest. I mean, I don't agree overall, of course, that, you know, film is making people kill people and all that kind of stuff, but, but I love the way it's presented in this movie. And so I was just totally on board. I'm like, yes, the movies are, are bad. They're just going to kill people (laughs) for sure. You know, like, yeah, it's like fulfilling that fear. Yeah, for somebody yeah, exactly. who, yeah, like, that's the side of, I thought, and I thought that was so great. Yeah, but I loved the, it. The, yeah. And the, he's like the worshiping that, the poster at a certain point. He's like, yes, mommy, I will kill them. I'll do it oh, for no, you. Well, <laughs> I was about to say, I was about to say, yeah. like, his relationship to the movie is that he doesn't, he doesn't identify with the Michael Lerner character. He wants to work with the mommy you know, like he doesn't see himself because because he has presumably been hypnotized by the mommy's hypnosis in the same way. Yes, exactly. Great. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I know. It's so good. (laughs) Definitely. The, the other, the really, the only difference between the theater of the mommy and the theater in anguish is that anguish, Mm. the theater that's in anguish is, during the day and the anguish in the film inside of um, the mommy is at night. And so yeah. when you're cutting mm. between these two and I just, you know, as just like an experiential thing thinking that, okay, this was made in 1987. People are going to be sitting in a movie theater and watching this on a screen, giving it another layer of uh, yeah. reflexivity. Uh, oh my God. I wish I could have seen this on, on a, in a movie theater. That was what I was sitting there feeling the entire time, yeah. especially with that opening where it says, you know, you in the audience, you might be, uh, you, you might experience some mild hypnosis you might as well. Sat, yeah. You might want to collect eyeballs after this too. You yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but the, the, but I like that. I like that. That's really the only, that's, that's like the small difference because, you know, the one thing that I love is, you know, going to the f- movies is that, you know, maybe you go in and it's light out and then you come out and it's dark. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. weird time travel that happens when you <laughs> go into a movie. And then also how that relates to how both movies play with quote unquote movie time where certain things are like, ex- they should take, they should not take that long, but they're sort of dr- expanded and expanded and expanded for the for the sake of the movie's you know um impact for its for its narrative yeah. and how are the things are just really condensed and how the how the movie time really goes out of control in both the mommy and in anguish when it's massacre time 
right? Yeah. Or it's the yeah. setup, I, or it's the setup to massacre time. I think so you really have, have to this, sit with it. I think we also have this notion that, like, it, like having within, like, in the film The Mommy, where it's all happening at night, you have this kind of thing. It happens in horror movies all the time, where all of the murders and and just the bad shit happens at nighttime, where it's right. you know, in the in the veil of darkness or whatever but having that jarring contrast when she walks outside and you know that the guy just shotgunned a bunch of people and it's just mm-hmm. two o'clock in the afternoon on a yeah. a beautiful <laughs> tuesday or something like that yeah. there is something kind of just uh it, it feels more sickly like it, it there's just something grosser about it for some reason i think it's just a, a small thing that we have about what we view the daytime and nighttime, but I did find mm-hmm. that, that very interesting. Yeah, and I, I think it, it lends a, a semblance of sort of like something realistic yeah. to, yeah. to mm-hmm. you know, her going out and it just not being this overly stylized like European, yeah. you know, night right. <laughs> uh, sort very of quality to town. it. Very average town, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah the, the, the fact that it takes on like that real mass murder quality right. Um, right. to, you know, the, the, the anguish part of the film that we are watching uh, definitely makes it like... Um, a stranger almost it, it, yes. it makes it it makes it genuinely uh creepy even though again you do you are aware because the film is constantly bringing you awareness to its film within a film <laughs> you know uh idea it's constantly telling you that you're watching a film all the time yeah, yeah. um well and i also so it's doing both of those it's doing exactly what the characters are experiencing to you the audience member right, right. and when she yeah. goes outside and she goes over to that businessman or whatever the fuck he is the guy with like that crazy like (laughs) (laughs) like flannel coat in the middle of like california or something you know and that he doesn't believe her at first and you know obviously that harkens back to the ineffectualness or, or the scariness of police and something like hitchcock but it also is Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. he thinks this he he doesn't believe this young girl because she's just seen too many horror movies and this isn't, this couldn't possibly be real, but it right. is, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, and that she has to basically like beg him to believe her is so, I mean, it makes it, um, I get it's another thing I would say that makes it realer or Definitely. more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and especially too, cause at the point that she's doing that, like the film within a film and, the film that we're watching are both sort of like climaxing simultaneously yes. in ways that get some really amazing, um, like images out of yeah, it where like, you meta. know, the, pa- the, 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 patrons in the theater realize that someone has, you know, been killed inside the theater. Oh God, they start yeah. running around and freaking out. And uh, meanwhile, the characters in the lost world are also watching in the mommy yeah. are running around and freaking out. And then our characters in the theater watching those characters in the theater run around start running around and then you get that um, projected it, onto the the killer itself and he starts yes. talking to the, the mommy and shit like yes. that on the screen <laughs> like it's just absolutely <laughs> batshit by the end <laughs> well yeah because 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 he takes the young girl um who's been scared of the movie since the beginning he takes her hostage at the front of the screen mm-hmm. and you get like a a scope film screen of the killer in the film, Michael Lerner, taking a woman hostage in front yes. of a screen yeah. of the Lost World, and they're both and pointing their the killer at the, the gr- audience. It's yeah. fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, and 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 what's what's he saying? He says, "I see the light. I feel its power." And he's looking <laughs> up at the projector. He's yeah. like, "I'll uh, be a good light. boy." <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Oh man." 
just oh wants to God. just wants to make his mom happy, you know. <laughs> yeah, and 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 meanwhile, you know, like the, the cops have you know started to show up, and they they have uh, just the image too of like sniper shooters uh, ready inside like the projector booth. Yeah, oh my is God, kind I of. Know. <laughs> What, a, what an image just in general. <laughs> well, another, I mean, another thing that, you know, when the killer in anguish stands up in front of the audience, he starts yelling at them, like, stay calm, stay in your seats. And he shoots anybody <laughs> who tries to leave the theater. Right. So it's like, oh, my God. And yeah, them, them running and him shooting too, just like mass shooting style. No, it, it, it's terrifying. But it's also like he wants he wants this audience to be like the perfect audience, right? Where there's just no yeah. talking, nobody's leaving, everybody's just paying attention to what's happening on the screen. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so, I, I don't know. I think at one point, one of the, I think it might even be the sniper who's looking at, at the killer. Uh, he says, I think we should stop the movie. It looks like yes. he's talking to the screen. So it's like, it's <laughs> further is telling him, it's like, I think this might be the issue. We This film is hypnotizing this well, guy. And, we then, need and to then, stop then they it. only choose to like take off the audio. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the yeah. images <laughs> just keep going. And he's still looking at it, getting inspired. Yeah. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Yeah, because he, he he just wants to serve the mommy. Meanwhile, right. the mommy in the film is like pulling up to uh, the theater because she she says something along the lines of, like, you know, I warned you that you had to leave the theater, you fool, and now I'm coming to take you home. So right. he wants the mommy to arrive at the theater and take him home because that's yep. what happens in the movie. Right. In reality, the cops have shown up and are going to fucking shoot him. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's about the same number of cops that show up during that uh one point of uh, heat. <laughs> like, the, yeah. like, it's like this is normal small town America, but they have like this giant fleet of uh, cop cars and a SWAT team. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, it's like, it's speaking to like, this is American violence, right? Yeah. Is that, 100%. They, Absolutely. This, like, this, this seemingly normal uh, city can't operate without, uh, you know, all these police. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and eventually, too, they, they, the cops do take the shot and they do kill uh, the shooter because he's once again being so swept up by the screen. Right. Um, he actually loses track of, of his own hostage. And then the young girl, who's obviously freaked out because, you know, she was the one who sensed that something was wrong since Michael Lerner started carving out eyes in the first 20 minutes. And she's the one who was taken hostage in a real mass shooting scenario. Like all of her sort of unarticulated fears have (laughs) have come true in a way. Um, She gets this moment where um, uh, Michael Lerner, he breaks the fourth wall and looks through at the audience in the theater and he says i want your eyes too and he stabs at the screen and the scalpel comes through the screen and it hits the girl in the eyeball oh yeah (laughs) again this is like after they've shut off the sound so it's just the sound of people screaming and he turns to her and he's like i want your eyeball and then she really (laughs) believes that this thing is stuck in her eye and she's getting his you know his rightly and I, hysterical. I love that, that, sh- that quick shot of like, sh- it's in her eye and the blood's going down and she's kind of just mm-hmm. like flailing. And then it goes to the medics surrounding her. And then when the yes. medics reveal her again, she has nothing in her eye and she's just right. going, going crazy. It's, it's just a really, really cool way of, of expressing <sighs> yeah, it, that. It, 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 
it, it's it's about a real girl um, experiencing what is usually reserved for the psychological terror of the final girl. Yeah, makes exactly. Movie. Exactly. Um, you know, the, where, where you're just completely broken and scarred and, you know, irreversibly different than you were, you know, when you sat down at the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie, except she was just a girl who walked in to, and to watch one of the movies. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's left the movie theater, you know, being the character. And what I love, too, is that you could have probably ended on like her being stabbed and then th- her wailing around and then revealing that it was in her head. Cause it, it puts forth the, the, the idea of like the, the trauma and, and her, you know, the realization that she was kind of correct in some way. Oh yeah. It, it um, literally came through the screen and into her real body. Right. <laughs> and then, and then I love that they just have to add like one cherry on top with the, with the ending hospital scene. Oh no, no, like, no. There are go. two cherries. There are oh, two cherries. Okay. Yeah. Because well, there is yeah, one with the ending. You so know which one you're missing. The, the, there's the one with, uh, you know, she's she's in the hospital and the Michael Lerner character comes and uh, he's checking out her eyeballs uh, after he <laughs> kills right. her friend. Um, but then there's the lights go up in the movie and you're watching oh, right, an right, audience right. watching the credits. And there's right. that one yeah. guy who waits until the very end. To leave. Yes, I like, stayed there with him the whole time. He's a G. Oh, uh, well, Absolutely. he's a G, or maybe he's a the next mass murderer, right? <laughs> yeah, where he loves well, this movie so much. <laughs> yeah, so you're so, so you're you're revealed that the movie that we were watching was also another movie within a movie. Right. So then we get to watch the movie of the audience just watching the credits for the movie that right. we just watched. Yeah. Just 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 to take it to that next crazy. Uh, level, but also it just reminded me because you know I I did a lot of programming and management at a local art house <laughs> here, and uh, you know I always when we ran film with the projectionist and it was like a late night midnight screening, you know I always sat there at the end waiting well, for the people to get up. Yeah, so like was, like it was it was my exact experience of my job. It right. was the exact frame that they end this movie on. Like it's the it, yeah. it is the people who at the back of the theater waiting for all the people to get up as the lights slowly come up, and you know there was always one guy. He he made it through the whole credits. He was the guy who wanted to, you know, get his money's worth. Well, it Heck also yeah. makes you, it, if you stay to watch that, again, assuming it's 1987, you're seeing this in the film, you become that guy too. The movie ends yep. with you. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, I mean, that's what's so, I mean, the, the layers I, of this. It's if so, I ever so, saw this so, in a theater, I would definitely be the last guy watching the last guy watch the credits. Yes, Absolutely. exactly. <laughs> I gotta say too, uh, just being in uh, th- this this COVID craziness, it was very nice to just. I just sat there and like acted like I was in a theater for five minutes. It was fantastic. Oh, I know. <laughs> no, it's, it's it was a little bit of escapism there. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we, we miss it. I miss no, the theater, is what I'm saying. No, no, and it's true. It's like this unintentional. Um, obviously, movies change. How they hit it yeah. changes, and that I also appreciate that. I was like, oh yeah, sitting in the credits. I love that. I miss that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, pivoting towards the reductive rating round here, I think on, on, on Anguish, this one also got the 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 high four for me because I, I was really taken with, once again, how it is both functionally and, and very, uh, credit to Luna, like in terms of the filmmaking, it's a very solid giallo until it's a, until it's a very solid mass shooting of a bunch of people watching a giallo film, <laughs> um, merging, you know, sort of like, again, a little bit of what I felt about, um, 
Targets, which in my opinion is one of the best films about um, sort of like the rise of sort of like American violence in that specific kind of period. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about Brian De Palma, uh, which are good things to be thinking about watching any movie. Oh, yeah. But the fact that he merges those two together in a way that once again you know, weaponizes your knowledge of, you know, of, of genre film, of cliche, of the form and the trickery and the artificially, uh, artificiality of it all. And, you know, once again, makes you genuinely, um, you know, sort of uh, horrified by it and viscerally impacted by it, which is the exact experience that the audience in the film is 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 wrestling with in the way that, you know, he gets into movies as, you know, voyeurism and fetish and, and artificial and, uh, but at the same time, this thing that has um, very real impacts on you, whether that real impact is it inspires someone to go and kill someone, <laughs> uh, is is I'll leave that to other people. Uh, I don't believe that. But <laughs> there there is a real transaction taking place when you sit down to watch a film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there, there is a physical act of it when you go to a theater, when a projectionist puts that film on the screen for you. Um, and... You know, there there is once again a, a real physical distance, but a psychological intimacy to the experience of it. And I think that Luna, through all of his filmmaking techniques and all of his metatextual uh, mind fuckery that he's trying to pull off here, I think that he he does get at that with his filmmaking. Yeah. Um, my question for him would be how he feels about now that America does have documented accounts of actual shootings in thi- inside theaters and like concert venues and stuff. Like yeah. at the time, he was probably imagining again a sort of exaggeration of American violence. Right. right. And now it's just come true. Yeah. 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 For, for, for real. So w- w- watching this now, watching this now in a theater, I think it would it it would only uh, have more impact than it than it originally did. And I, sure. I really hope I get that chance one day. Yeah, uh, I would also give it a four out of five. Uh, that that little the meta twist really worked for me. I, I very happy that I didn't know about it because it really just uh, it, it threw me into the film and I was very engaged the entire time. And I love the contrast again from you know the the night and day from the mommy movie to Anguish and the 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 cold hard like bluntness of the killing uh, from Anguish compared to kind of the more you know stylistic expressionistic uh, uh, giallo killings that happen in in mommy um, and then for him to actually say. I don't know how on purpose again, but for him to say, you know, that that media and film and, you know, eventually video games and stuff would have an impact on us to 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 inspire like actual physical violence. I think obviously I disagree, but the the way that he expresses that in this movie is uh, fantastic. Well, I, and, I think uh, he's making fun of it. I think he's yeah, making fun yeah. of that idea by having this be so over the top. But it's, I just find it interesting that eventually, I mean, obviously the, the people that did the things that they did weren't, and I don't think inspired by films. They never said that in whatever manifesto they had or anything right. like that. But I just <laughs> find it interesting that 10 to 20 years later, we did start to see shootings in, you know, movie theaters and things of that nature. So, uh, it's just very fascinating to, to watch this movie now, knowing all of the all of the bad mm-hmm. things that have happened in the past 20 years. Well, yeah, and, and, and in part, it's because the film is also about, you know, how you channel real violence right. into our art or mm-hmm. try to Absolutely. make sense of it yeah. um, a little bit in, in a way. Um, well, I would almost say yeah. that, you know, I don't I, I think what makes me feel like 
Luna is making fun of the idea of, you know, people being inspired by movies to go out and kill actual violence is that, again, he does not identify with the Michael Lerner character. He wants, mm-hmm. he's, fi- mm-hmm. he's fixated on the mother. And yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's this thing that's separate from the movie, even though he does certain things that are, you know, mimic the movie. It, it's, he's experiencing it in a way that is different. And I mean, I think, you know, when we think about violence and mass shootings and things like that, the thi- what I, always, what I, what it often comes, what often becomes apparent to me is that this person thought they were the one. Mm-hmm. And that is in every action movie. It doesn't matter how violent or unviolent it is. The idea that you are the chosen one and you must do this thing. And that narrative gets repeated over and over and over. And it's like, well, does the violence matter? Or does this sort of like weird, you know, you're, you're the anointed Christ figure who has to go yeah. out and do this thing. Is that the actual problem? A, yeah, and then it is sure. the violence just sort of secondary. Cause I mean, I don't, again, I, I don't believe that. Uh, I believe we're going to solve the gun crisis in America right here on the show. <laughs> right <now>. That's right. <laughs> Quit making fucking uh, weird established movie IP, like established IP movies where you goddamn do that stuff uh but yeah <laughs> quit it just stop it um they're not good movies anyway but i i was actually you know talking about i meant to mention this earlier but i was also reminded you know how how straightforward the violence is uh by ellen clark's elephant and that actually came out mm. after yeah. this movie but uh the you know it's it's just this uh movie of you know, somebody walking up to someone in a store and shooting them and then walking away. And just these very yeah. matter-of-fact depictions of violence. And it was actually based on something that had happened during the Troubles. Um, but the, I think, I think it's, what I, what I really enjoy about this movie is that it's taking apart violence, depictions of violence, but then also, it's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I, really I, I think, I think it's taking, taking them apart and then also playfully indulging them yes. simultaneously yeah. Yeah. In, in the ways that, that, that movies do. And I mean, as, as people who talk a lot about a lot of violent movies, I mean, I think Jamie and I have, uh, experience a lot of what, you know, he's playing with on the screen here. Um, I, I, I saw a lot of, you know, how I watch movies, uh, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that is not to say that I'm going to become the Joker or anything, but, right. you know, right. Right. Give it time. Give it time. Well, and I mean the the and what I the thing that also kind of connects anguish to the other the other side of the underneath for me is that it's a provocation. It's a, it's provoking the mm. audience. And oh, absolutely. And yeah. it's assaultive. And in um the other side of underneath, it's not using female nudity to provoke it's not using violence against women to provoke which was very much you know like panic theater stuff or uh the theater of cruelty that sort of idea of like you have to show violence to provoke people because Arden doesn't do you know the violence that she's showing again is is couched within like this is a treatment for mental illness it's not it's not somebody coming around with a knife and in this movie 
it's showing it's it's provoking not through the violence but the the premise it's this mm-hmm. purely narrative thing but then you can also as we keep keep saying like you can get pulled into it and really feel that terror mm-hmm. and it's an invitation yeah. to feel that terror especially if you're sitting in a movie theater watching this like it's very intense it's it's what i like about horror films is that they really engage your body in ways that other genres don't necessarily. I mean, I think comedy is another right. one where you're having a physical reaction. You're laughing, you're getting very, you know, you're feeling certain things, but horror, with horror, you know, you might be laughing, you might be cringing, you might be feeling sick. And this, yeah. this and this film like puts you in your body, makes you hyper aware of your surroundings in a way that, mm you know but you're still stitched into the narrative and like that that and and you're you're it's it's provoking you you know on a yeah. almost like a physical level or just in terms yeah, of like, like we're dumb little animals that you know see something out of the corner of our eye and we're like oh shadow people are real you know like that sort of thing but <laughs> right. we we really trust our senses and we should mm-hmm. it's only a movie right right <laughs> chill out that's right <laughs> but I, I, oh yeah, I have to give it a rating. I give it a five out of five scalpels in the eye. Nice. <laughs> I, I hate, I hate doing, I hate doing star ratings. So I just, uh, I don't know. It's fun if it's fun if I approach it like um, on cinema, where it's just like five eggs pop. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for everything this week. That was the other side of the underneath and anguish. Thanks so much, Violet, for joining us and for bringing yeah, these films with you this awesome. week. Thank you. It was so fun talking uh, to you guys. I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. If, if you've got anything to plug, this is usually the part of the show where we have you do that. Well, what's, what's going on in, in Violet's world? <laughs> well, um, uh, I'm working on a podcast project. I think that would be relevant or of interest to your listeners with Adam Naiman. Uh, so that should be dropping in a couple of weeks, hopefully. So Perfect. stay tuned. Very cool. I'm definitely going to be checking uh, that out. Uh, Violet can, are, I'm not sure. Are you on, you're on Twitter, right? No. You want people following you on Twitter? Yeah. Why the hell not? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, under, I understand. I'm at unbutton um, my eyes or you can just type in my name. Either one works. <laughs> perfect um for our listeners we are going to actually be back in one week's time where we are going to be doing your patron voted uh episode because once again we've introduced a little democracy around the parts over at (laughs) patreon.com where um you know once every uh two months we do an episode uh where you guys nominate the double features and you guys then vote on the double feature that you want to see the most so next week we are going to be doing uh walter hills the driver uh as well as michael mann's uh thief Oh, yeah. That was the one that uh, you guys voted on. And by the time you guys are listening to this, the uh, new poll should be going up very soon or might even already be up. So, uh, again, patreon.com slash podcast if you want to vote on the next one. But we're going to have a lot of fun talking about The Driver and Thief uh, next week. And uh, the week after, um, just by total happenstance, not planned at all, uh, Violet's co-host for her upcoming podcast project that she's dropping soon. Adam Naiman is coming on the show finally. And, uh, he is bringing with him, uh, shadow of a doubt, the Hitchcock from 1943, 
as Ooh. well as The Stepfather from 1987. I think we are nice. getting into some weird family dynamic thrillers. Um, I've wanted to watch The Stepfather so, for a while, so that's that's awesome. Yeah, so that's what you can expect uh, for free listeners in two weeks' time. But yeah, that being said, I think that wraps it up for everything this week. Thanks so much, uh, guys, for listening, and keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy.